1: everybody, we're back at Cold Ice in San Francisco for part two of this live recording of the show about science. My guest today is marine biologist and oceanographer, Dr. Sylvia Earle. She is just about to join me on the colon Ice stage, so let's get this interview started. Welcome to the show, Sylvia.
2: Thank you. Great to be on board.
1: Can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Hmm, I fell in love with the ocean when I was about three years old. I got knocked over by a wave on a New Jersey shore, but what has held my attention ever since is the fact that the ocean is alive. It's not just rocks and water. It's filled with critters as we now heard from the surface to the greatest depths of the ocean. So when we think about the sea, again, it's not just all that beautiful blue water, which is critical to our existence, but it's all life requires the ocean. So I began exploring the ocean at a very early age, and I'm still doing it.
1: So, like, What have you seen in your lifetime? What's the change that you have seen and the power that we have that we can just, that we can change the world in a generation?
2: Well, when I was eight years old, there's so much that we not only did not know, but we could not know that the eight-year-olds of today, including you, have access to this amazing wealth of discoveries. No one had been to the bottom of the ocean. No one had been to the top of Mount Everest. No one had been to the moon. We had not sent instruments beyond our own solar system. We could not imagine that polar ice could shrink. We did not have evidence that it could. Well, we did have evidence that ice ages have come, ice ages have gone, but it it just seemed like something so far away, so, such a slow process, nothing that we would have to worry about, but at the same time that since I was a little girl to the present time, we've learned more about the nature of nature, about who we are as humans and where we've come from and where we might be going, but at the same time, there's been more change. We've become so powerful technologically that we can send instruments far into space, send ourselves up into space, look back on ourselves, that image of Earth from the moon that astronaut William Anders took that photograph called Earthrise. It's so famous, that image, here's the slope of the moon and then the earth is appearing just like a blue miracle, which it is, as you say, life is a miracle. Earth is a miracle. And during the, this very short period of time, what humans have put into the atmosphere, what we've put into the ocean, what we've taken out of the ocean, the, for, really the forests
1: taken out of the ocean? I mean, vast blue water, plenty of fish. What have we taken out of it?
2: About 90% of the sharks are gone. About half the coral reefs are gone. We have seen the change, as Captain Walsh pointed out, we're changing the chemistry of the ocean from the carbon dioxide that is being not just into the atmosphere, but it goes into the sea, The ocean has absorbed a lot of that, but there's a point beyond which they just can't absorb more, and it becomes carbonic acid. And slowly, and now rather quickly, the ocean is becoming more acidic. Change the chemistry of the ocean, you change everything.
1: So how quickly has the ocean changed? How much have we taken out of it per year?
2: Well, right now, the official figures are close to 90 million tons of wildlife taken from the sea. That's tunas and shrimp and crab and squid and oysters and clams and things, but the number is actually larger than that because of what is known as illegal and unregulated and unreported extraction of wildlife from the sea. So we've seen an actual collapse of life in the ocean in my lifetime and now into yours. And the trend does not look very promising if we keep doing what we're doing. And those of you who eat ocean wildlife, think cod, think tuna, think whatever it is, wild creatures from the sea, or even cultivated fish that are fed wild fish this many wild fish to make this many cultivated fish. You know, we just have to rethink what the nature of life in the sea. We tend to think of fish as as commodities, something to eat. But they're a lot more important for other reasons as well, like whales. We used to take a lot of whales to make products. We kind of stopped doing that for the most part. We see other values.
1: So, (laughs) one way or another, If we stop using oil today and we go back to whales, they'll go extinct, and then there'll be a krill boom, and then, well, but we still haven't taken care of our problems with oil and ocean acidification, so all of them would die, and then they rot, which uses up oxygen, and then all the fish die, and it's... So, what other options do we have?
2: Well, good questions. Uh, We now have seven billion people plus. When I arrived, when Captain Walsh arrived on Earth, the number was closer to two billion people. So, we've witnessed a tripling plus of population. There are a lot of people and every one of us, like every other creature on earth, we use the natural world. We have chairs to sit on. Where did this material come from? We took it from nature, water. Where did it come from? Well, it came from the ocean, basically, as rain and then into the ground and we took it out of the ground and it's here in these nice glass containers. The clothes we wear, the houses we live in, our transportation, everything, there's a cost to our prosperity. It's true with earthworms, it's true with eagles, it's true with owls, it's true with all life. We use the natural world, but no creature has taken more than humans. And the pace is picking up because there are more and more of us. But we are the only ones who have seen Earth from space. We're the only ones who can measure the change in ice in polar areas. We're the only ones who can communicate our discoveries as we now can, as you now can, to and people all over the world. And so armed with knowledge, we can make a plan.
1: And we very well might be the only ones that can fix this problem. You got that and right. it's just yeah. not fair that the past generations have left the future generations to fix this problem. I mean, it's like you're just giving us a messy room that we've got. You're giving us a messy room and saying, we have to clean it up. I don't want to clean that room up. Do it yourself.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's the thing. We are all in this together. We are. We need you, but you need us to shape up and take the knowledge that did not exist when I was eight years old.
1: We all need each other, yeah.
2: Yeah, and, and realize that this little blue speck in the universe, that's all there is. And the ocean governs climate. And it's not just the water. It's life in the ocean that shapes the character of the ocean generates oxygen, takes up carbon dioxide. You know, we think about forests and how important they are for capturing carbon. And at the conference that's taking place here in San Francisco, Harrison Ford has said, you've got to remember nature. Nature has shaped this planet. The trees and the pastures of phytoplankton in the ocean are capturing the carbon naturally. And if we destroy the forests, if we destroy those ocean forests, those pastures of plankton and seagrass meadows and the mangroves that capture the carbon, that's part of the problem. We need to hold those systems steady and not let them change. So we need you to say so. I think people listen to kids the way they might not listen to somebody such as I, although I keep trying to get people to understand that we've got the best chance that we'll ever have. I think the kids of today, you're the luckiest kids ever to come on the planet because you're armed with knowledge.
1: We all need each other to stay together and work as one to come together and use a different source of energy. So go out there, spread the word, and help others. And together, we can solve this problem.
2: You're here. So can you, can you imagine having a chance to interview Galileo? He was a really smart man, (laughs) or Einstein. He was a really smart guy too. But he could not, neither one of them could know what is now available for you to know. Neither one of them got to see Earth from space. And both of them gave humankind a great deal, And, and many other really smart people in our past, and we're the beneficiaries of that knowledge, and you, and all of the other kids who are coming along have that benefit of knowing what I could not know. And you are so powerful at motivating the grown-ups to get with it and use the power. Everybody has power. Use that power to do what you're suggesting we have to do.
1: Help the ocean and help the creatures that can't help themselves.
2: And recognize that the ocean is filled with wildlife, like birds, like the creatures on the land that we've come to look at with new respect for values that transcend just taking their skins or just using them as a source of sustenance.
1: We all have the power to make some change in this world. So use it for the better. You're (laughs) here. I'd like to thank you so much for being on the show.
2: Thank you for having me here and for using your superpowers as a communicator.
1: (laughs) There you have it, folks. The show about science is complete. Dad, you can shut the recording. That wraps up today's live episode from Colon Ice in San Francisco A big thanks to everyone who came out to see the show especially Alexander you're an inspiration to me and a really dedicated fan and Finn from the California Academy of Sciences Thanks for listening I know you're going to do great things and finally a very special thank you to Dr. Sylvia Earle, Tom Corwin, Marlene Suritsky, and everyone else at Kola nice. Our theme music was composed by Jeff, Dad, and Teresa Brooks. Okay, Dad, you can shut the recording off. For the newest episodes of the show about science, download the PIN app or go to
0: pinna.fm.